Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. If you're new, I'm Katie Sewell. I live in Seattle. My co-host, Tiffany Parks, is in Rome. Normally on the show, we explore life and life abroad and how the decisions we make affect us for good and for bad. And as a community of listeners over the last six years, we've been exploring Italy and Rome and how to sort out what you want from life and how to take chances and how to move away and how to come home. Together, we aim to live a different life. But now, today, we are in a different and unique position as people living in the epicenters of a worldwide pandemic. Seattle is where the first coronavirus death occurred in the United States, and Italy, where Tiffany is, is in total lockdown. Maybe you are too. Let us keep you company. Let's explore this difficult time together, the good and the bad of it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Tiffany in Rome, Katie Sewell in Seattle. And this is a, what, part two, special edition. Mm -hmm. Part two of our lockdown episode from Monday. So if you haven't heard Mondays yet, go back and listen to that. This is a continuing on of the conversation that we started yesterday. So I wanted to ask you about the grocery stores in Italy mm-hmm. because they're one of the things that are still open. And yeah. I know that when they threw you guys into lockdown, it wasn't like you'd done a bunch of panic shopping like a lot of people in the U.S. had already done. You guys, while you were um, panicking about other things, I felt like you guys were really subtle when it came to the grocery store. Whereas in the U.S., people were panic shopping. Is I know. what Derek and I call it. Just go to the store and you're buying way more than you ever thought you would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and things like toilet paper become important. And you're not even sure why it's important. You're just sort of like, everybody says I need to get my hands on this stuff before it's gone. And so I'm going to get my hands on some of this stuff. Just yesterday, I was actually trying to explain to a friend why people were panic buying toilet paper. When really, I mean, this is gross, but let's say we ran out of toilet paper. It's not like you can't use a towel and throw it in the wash you know it's gross but it's possible you know well here's the thing here's the reason why italians aren't panic buying toilet paper because we all have bidets in our house Mm -hmm. you know and i mean i this is probably too much information but (laughs) i you know my son he gets a bidet every single time he goes to the bathroom every single time he goes number two he gets a bidet and uh for him that is so totally normal it's like it would be odd if we didn't do that for him. I mean, yes, obviously, you want to have that as a first step before the bidet, but it's it's not as essential when you have a low sink, basically, that you can use to wash your nether parts. Well, for Americans who've never even seen a bidet, what does it look like? <laughs> I mean, it looks like a little sink, but does it have a hose on it? Like, what's the deal? I think some people's have hoses, but those are kind of the fancy ones. The typical bidet, it, it looks sort of like a sink. It's sort of shaped like a toilet, like it's more oval and a sign of like sticking out as opposed to being wide like a sink would be and it has a little faucet just like a sink would have and you can you know you can kind of move the faucet to like shoot a little higher or lower but that's what it is it's about like knee height I would say Mm -hmm. it's very convenient for lots of different things and I don't know there's something about the Americans like have this kind of like revulsion of the bidet. Like my, I, I won't name names, but some people <laughs> I know very well are like, 
the bidet. It's, oh, it's so dirty. It's got to be like the dirtiest place in the house or whatever. And Italians look at Americans and they're like, you don't have a bidet, therefore you are dirty. You're the dirtiest thing in the house. <laughs> You're the dirty ones because you don't have it. We're clean. We have a bidet meeting. We're clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, it's possible that a lot of Americans wouldn't even know how to use it or like mm-hmm. what it is. You know, it's just sort of this extra thing in the bathroom when you visit Italy. <laughs> so anyway, but back to the grocery stores. So when you finally did go and you went after the lockdown occurred. Three days after. Things are closed and, you know, people need to stay home. What was the scene when you arrived? I was kind of scared about what I would find, about what the lines were going to be like. But... I live in the outskirts of the city, as I'm sure I've mentioned before. So our supermarket is huge. It's, I would say it's even large on American standards. It's not as huge as like a Fred Meyer or a Walmart or something like that. But it's a big, it's big for an Italian supermarket. And there's a big atrium in it. So like you walk in and you're not quite in the supermarket yet. You're like in this atrium that's technically inside, but you're not in the actual supermarket. And in that atrium, when I arrived at about 10 a.m. on a Thursday morning, there was a line of people waiting to go in. I expected that because I knew they were controlling how many people could go in at one time. Do you know how many people they were letting in at one time? I don't know. But my mother-in-law happened to go when they opened and there was no line. She just walked right in. Mm. So I would say, I mean, I would guess like around 50 people or something, but it's a big supermarket. Yeah. I'm sure that the small supermarkets in the center of town are letting in like four or five people or maybe 10, just a lot fewer. And the small supermarkets, if you've never been to Rome, some of them are just one room, like as if it were two aisles wide, basically, two to three aisles. Some are a little bigger, but there are some that are really small. That's like the extreme small size. Like that's, I would call that an alimentari, which is basically like one step up from like a mini market, I would say. So there are all sizes, but yes, they can be very tiny. And if it's in the center of town, it's going to be on the, on the very small side. And I've heard from some people saying that they were, you know, there were lines going around the block to get into those supermarkets. This line was only, only about 20 minutes. I brought a book with me. I thought I would be there for a while, but the line was a lot longer than it, it looked a lot longer than it was because they were making people stand a couple meters apart. And so, you know, it stretched very, very far, but it, it went pretty fast. And then once I got into the supermarket, there, there was so much space because there were so few people inside. So it was a very comfortable shopping experience. The shelves were, I mean, I would say they were, most things were at like 80 to 100% capacity. The only thing that was kind of low was the pasta, But even the pasta was only, I mean, I would say maybe it was like 60% of what it usually would be. And my mother-in-law told me that there was like a little bit of a shortage of meat. I didn't go over and look at the fresh meat, so I didn't see that for myself. But that's what she said. seemed like there were plenty of fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, plenty of water, plenty of toilet paper. The toilet paper was totally like at 100% capacity. It was just fine. It was absolutely fine. And I would say I bought maybe double what I would normally buy. Instead of buying one package of toilet paper, I bought two. Instead of buying one bag of cookies, I bought two. But really, it wasn't for me about wasn't about hoarding. It was just like, I don't want to have to go back to the supermarket again in three or four days. So I'm just going to do, you know, like a double shopping. That's what I didn't see anybody hoarding anything. I didn't see any panic. I didn't see anybody like, who looked scared it was everybody was just doing their own thing and being really respectful of the rules I was 
really pleasantly surprised for Italy, which is a country that famously hates to follow rules. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I was wondering about was, uh, I mean, at least in Rome, we were saying, I don't know, last week in one of our episodes that you kind of had this feeling of solidarity because they shut the whole country down. People had a feeling of solidarity. It wasn't just that you were all in prison. It was like, oh, we're pulling together. We're going to make this happen. And we've made fun of a lot of rule breaking on this this show over the years. You know, everything from what kind of a jerk would pay for transit uh, when you can get it for free uh, (laughs) to to any number of things of how to cut a line and get into the Pantheon faster. Uh, So it's interesting to me that they are people, at least from your observations, are following the rules so strictly. But what do you think that is? Is that fear? I think it's fear. I think people are scared. And I think that people have finally realized that it's not just it's not just fear for themselves, but it's fear for their grandparents, fear for their parents, fear for other people that they don't know, but that are their countrymen and women who are older, who are sick. And and it's so easy to, at the beginning of a, of a sickness like this, at the beginning when it's an epidemic and, you know, it's starting to get hyped up and, you know, it's so easy to say, oh, well, you know, I mean, I said this myself three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, you know, only the older people are dying and they would have died, you know, they're the type of people who would maybe have died anyway, just by the normal cold. And it's very easy to convince yourself of that and say, well, you know, it's not going to affect me. If I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. And That was the attitude in Rome, uh, and I assume the rest of the country, until recently. And suddenly something switched, and people realized that, well, for one thing, the doctors and nurses and all the medical staff, ambulance workers, etc., they are so overworked, and so some of them are dying, A, because they're getting the disease, and B, just because they're at the point of exhaustion. They're They're just being worked so hard, and they're crying, and they're seeing death right in front of their eyes, and... It's. I mean, I can't even imagine what that's like to deal with, and they're putting themselves in so much risk. There, there's a big risk that you know the medical system will not be able to support this much longer, and it'll just collapse, and they won't be able to save people that could have been saved. And so, I think people finally realize this. And then, like I said on our episode last week, you know, the night before this whole thing came down everybody was you know so many people were out at the bars like they are in Seattle right now just saying like oh my gosh and even we went we went out on Saturday night we went to a pizzeria we didn't go to a bar and we weren't too close to anybody but we were in a public place a public mediumly crowded place and the next day we went into town we went to Piazza Navona we took a walk because we felt like we needed to we felt like oh my gosh we need you know we need to be around people and that was the exact opposite, really, of what we should be doing. And I think the government was just like, okay, people aren't going to just voluntarily quarantine themselves unless they're actually sick already or very, very old or, you know. So we're going to have to just tell people to do this. And and I really am surprised at how the Italians are are banding together and, and doing it. And they're also doing these really sweet things like tonight at 6 o'clock. I was actually in the shower, so I missed it. But I doubt anything happened in my neighborhood because, like I said, I'm out in the the outskirts. But in the center of town, I've seen videos. At 6 o'clock tonight, everybody um, was, you know, on social media, they were planning this, that everyone was supposed to go to their window and play their instrument or sing. Oh. Yeah, I know. And, And a lot of people did this. And I saw a lot of videos of people out, you know, singing the Italian national anthem or just singing whatever or playing music or playing their instrument or clapping and things like that. And I think that I think that people realize, 
Oh, and another thing that's happening here is kids are drawing rainbows and they're writing tutto andrà bene, everything will be okay. And they're hanging it outside their windows. Uh, so you're, you can see these, I mean, we're all inside, but you know, you can see them from people's windows and everybody's doing this. And I think that there's this real sense of we're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. It's really hard right now, but we have to sacrifice so that we will get through this. Wow. That's great. That's really nice. Oh, we're not doing anything like that. Not yet. It's going to happen. You're two weeks behind us. Yeah. Well, one week, maybe. One of the other things that I've been thinking about, because as you know, on this show, I always tell people to see what the birds are doing, is that it's gotten pretty quiet in Italy. And it's not totally quiet in Seattle, but it's gotten quieter. I live in a in a house that is under a flight path. It's not, you know, right by the airport, but planes go over all day long. I have noticed that there are less planes. There are less cars going by on the street. People are more in their homes than they usually are. And I have noticed that the birds seem louder. And and then our friend, Tony DiBella, who lives in Orvieto, I think it was her, or maybe it was Linda who runs the beehive. I can't remember which one of you guys, sorry, posted a little video where it's just them looking out the window and you can hear all of these birds and the rest of the street is just silent. And I had this thought of, you know, one interesting way to think about this is what is it like for all the other creatures to have all of us gone? I know. I thought that as well. The cats. Yeah, the cats own Rome right now. They're just everywhere. <laughs> they, they're like, all right, I don't know what happened to all those pesky people, but you know, we're running this place. I, I would love to talk to a scientist about it because I think if the birds are indeed louder, or maybe we could just hear them better. I'm not sure. It could be either way. But if they are louder, it's like they can hear better. They can hear further. They can hear each other better. Hmm. So maybe they're like chatting up a storm all of a sudden. It also reminded me of a, of a story uh, a radio producer friend of mine did. Uh, her name is Arwen Nix, and she used to have a podcast called How's Your Day? And the very first episode of that podcast was about how during 9-11, after the planes crashed into the Twin Towers, and they grounded all the air flights, that scientists noticed a sort of joy in the whale population. They grounded planes and ships. And they could hear that the whales were doing something in the ocean that was different. Oh, my gosh. And it was because all of this noise was gone. Was gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ugh. I know. It's kind of interesting. It sucks to be the people that the plague could wipe out, but <laughs> for the rest of the world, it could solve a lot of problems. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, speaking of plagues. <laughs> speaking of plague, yeah. <laughs> like everybody else I, um, I, I read something funny. This is not what I was going to say. But I'm going to add this as well. I saw the funniest tweet the other day. For anybody who's... It was in Italian, but I'll translate it. For anyone who's ever wondered what life was like in the 1300s, now you know. Two popes and a plague. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because back in the 1300s, they had the anti-pope, you know. Um, So they had two popes at the same time. Just like we have now, kind of. Well, at least we're in the position of we know what's going on, which back then, you know... Do we, Katie? Do we really know what's going on? Well, I mean, we have some more information. We we know how disease is passed. That's true. A little bit better. But what I was going to say was, um, if you think about the Black Death. Yes, let's, let's consider the Black Death. As I do often. It's what I meditate on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> if you think about the Black Death, the conditions 
of the average man, the average person, especially poor people, greatly improved after the Black Death because there were fewer people and because they, you know, the people who were agricultural laborers, they were more in demand. And so they were able to insist upon better quality, you know, better living conditions, better, you know, more money or whatever it was that they got. Their lives greatly improved after the Black Death. And I, I, I started thinking about like, okay, what if this is happening for a similar reason? I mean, obviously I'm hoping that you know, we don't lose half the population of the planet, which is what happened during the Black Death, I think, somewhere around half um, or a quarter or three quarters. I don't know what the exact numbers are, Um, but a lot of people. And I just thought, I don't think that's going to happen to us, but, you know, you never know. Um, But I thought, I wonder if there's something related to climate change. You know how, like, the world self-corrects, right? And we don't always know at the moment why things are happening and... I don't know. I just, I, that thought went through my head. It's a very morbid thought, I know. But I just, at the very least, we don't know how it's going to change our behavior as a society. Mm-hmm. It may result in real cultural change. It may change how we interact with each other. It might have at last get rid of the common cup in the Catholic Church, <laughs> ah. which I've always found kind of disgusting. Knowing what we know about germs, sharing a glass, just not a great idea. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we just don't know like how it will correct. And, and, you know, obviously there are people here that are hoping, and I don't really want to dwell on the president of the United States, but there are people here in Seattle, which is a liberal place, that would love to see the president not get reelected in November. And part of the fact of how poorly he is leading us through this I don't know, just doesn't bode well for him, a lot of people are hoping. That, or the fact that he refuses to stop shaking hands with people, not only dangerous uh, in how much he could be passing a disease along, but dangerous to him as well. And some people are really kind of hoping that, you know, he's in that age demographic. (laughs) And I'm not going to say that I, you know, I feel weirder about the fact that if he does have it, he's passing it on to hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've heard that said a couple times by people. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, but going back to the grocery store real quick, what are the interactions with the tellers like for you right now? Well, I know a lot of them. I mean, I don't necessarily know them by name, but I do all my grocery shopping there and I probably go in twice a week. And so I know a lot of them and they're very friendly to me. And, you know, I, I did start chatting with one of them. Actually, I think it was yesterday. And I just said, you know, the kind of thing you say to someone you don't know well, like when you want to remark on something like this, you just say something like what times we're living in, like who would have thought that something like this would happen? Yeah. And, you know, have a very... I would say superficial conversation about it. Nothing really deep. But I, she did say to me, because she saw that I had like two packs of toilet paper and two packs of cookies. And she she probably knows, you know, I don't usually buy two packs of cookies. She said, you know, um, they haven't stopped the deliveries. So you don't have to worry. There's going to be plenty of food. Not, there's not going to be any shortages. And I imagine she says that to a lot of people to just, you know, kind of calm them so that people don't start hoarding. And I said, well, you know, I just, I'm doing this so that I don't have to come back very often and, you know, risk more contagion, obviously. But yeah, I'm really, I'm really surprised that the Americans have gone so berserk on hoarding and the Italians are like, 
fine. Italians are big on food. Like it's a huge part of their lives. Huge. Yeah. Well, I don't know that all Americans across the board have gone crazy hoarding. No, not all. But I, I saw some photographs of empty shelves. Like it has to be more than one or two people to empty out an entire supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've seen some videos of that in Australia as well. But uh, another thing that people may not know if they haven't spent much time in Italy is that really you guys don't often have very big refrigerators. So your capacity to hoard is limited. <laughs> yeah, we don't have pantries, for example. Like we don't have tons of space to put this stuff. So so yeah, that's I was going to say that's one of the reasons I think people don't hoard. They can't like our freezers. We don't have like huge giant freezers in our garages. Because we probably don't have garages. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So no, so that's pro- that could be part of it, yeah. We're having those same interactions with people at grocery stores, I am at least, that I kind of love these new conversations that are just like this, how's it going? And then the other person's like, how's it going with you? And they're like, yeah, same. <laughs> because we're still all in close contact with each other, but man, people, probably like every single person listening, stressful, it's stressful right now. Yeah, I do have to say that I, I, I felt more anxiety last week than I feel now. Well, because now you're safely ensconced in your home. Uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I feel like, I know this sounds weird, but I feel like this idea that like this benevolent government, and I'm not like someone who wants to be taken care of by the government and have my decisions made for me by the government. So don't take this the wrong way. But it's like in situations like this, in major crises, you kind of want to know that the powers that be are looking out for you and that they have your best interest at heart and that even if you don't agree with them politically, they're capable people, they have capable people around them and they're going to make an informed, rational decision to try to deal with the situation as best they know how. And watching the press conferences or actually they haven't even been press conferences, they've sort of been like the live address of the prime minister to the people. I personally get this really calming sense of like, okay, this is going to suck. This is going to be hard. This is going to be a sacrifice, but it's going to be okay. And we're doing what we need to do. We're really doing the only thing that we could possibly do right now to make this better. And it's probably going to get worse before it gets better, but we're doing what we need to do. Whereas last week, it was like, what is going on? Every day we have higher numbers. Every day more people are getting sick. What are we going to do? What's going to happen? It's much more crazy making. Yeah. Yeah. You just want a leader, a leader to, to help, to direct. Okay. Everybody, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Clear plan. Yeah. That's what leaders are for, quite frankly. Yeah. Right. I was also wondering, and I, I definitely don't have an answer for this, but because, you know, we're the United States of America, but all the states have sort of their own individual thing going on. And I know that Italy has a bunch of different regions. I guess I just, I have no answers, but I'm interested in like the division. Are we more divided because we're a whole bunch of different states than Italy would be? Yeah, you're definitely more divided. You are a separate federal states. I mean, I say you, I'm American too, but you know, I'm not there. Each state has its own government. We have separate regions, but it's, it's different. It's not, there are many, many, many more national laws, you know, and then there, of course, every region has its own regional laws as well. But this kind of thing, it's it's much more centralized power. Interesting. Let me ask you one question before we go. Do you think that a Seattle or King County or Washington State lockdown is in your near future? Like a state-mandated lockdown? 
I would guess so, but I have no idea. It escalated very quickly this week. So, you know, we started with a press conference with the governor who was basically like, you know, he canceled all the big events, made that a mandate. That was one of the things he announced at that. And in that press conference, he said, schools, I want you guys internally to start talking about what to do if we have to shut you down. Within the next day, the school, I think it was the next day, the schools were shut down. So I think he already knew that that was coming. And he indicated that like more is coming in that initial press conference. And that may have just been the schools or it might be more. You know, our libraries are closed. Our, all those things are, are gone at this point. You know, they're basically just doing all those advisements of don't go anywhere unless you have to. Stay home, work from home, don't be going to work if you can't if you can manage it, all that stuff. Now, of course, by closing the schools, they are forcing a lot of people to work from home. You know, it's it is sort of that back a back measure too. Like if your kid's now suddenly at home, then somebody's gotta work from home. And that's a big problem for people who are hourly. What are they gonna do? My um brother in law and sister in law are both hourly. You know, Derek's been talking to me about what if we have to, like, take care of their nephew, our nephew from time to time because they can't be home and he's now home. So, you know, what are you going to do? I think that's a question that a lot of people in Washington state right now are asking. Schools are done. What are we going to do? How are we going to pull this off? Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. So we're already not accepting you guys coming back from the United States. <laughs> the United States. I, I get to come. I read the law. American citizens and their spouses. Oh, and their spouses. But don't worry. I wouldn't come. I wouldn't come because I've been in Italy. I just don't think it's fair to risk spreading it more. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't come anyway. But, uh, but yeah, maybe that'll be our next episode next Monday <laughs> if, if the lockdown arrives in Washington. Yeah, so maybe it will be on Thursday, <laughs> our mini episode. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, let's hope not. But if I will tell you from my great experience now, mm. at least so far, and, and I'm not that far into it, <laughs> it's not so bad. It's not so bad. It's, I'm actually finding silver linings in this situation, not obviously in the, in the sickness and death of anyone, but in my personal situation of staying home, spending more time with my son, it's really, it's really great to, to have like a lot of time with him. And when I don't usually get that and having more time with my husband and getting to wake up when I wake up instead of having to wake up to the alarm clock, you know, they're kind of nice things too. Yeah. Should I pull that piece of tape and play it for you three weeks from now? We'll see how you feel. Yeah. Do it. Do it because I'll need it. I'll need it. I'll be like, I'll be Googling like, how do you get divorced in Italy? No, yeah. just kidding. Without leaving your home. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we, uh, we here on The Bittersweet Life strive to keep you company through all of this while you're stuck at home, wherever you are, if you end up getting stuck at home, that is. And, but we'll leave it there for now. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Lori Lee Elliott for her help managing The Bittersweet Life on YouTube and to Sarah Johnson for her consultation. Our logo is made by Jody Rick at The Lost Laboratory with painting assistance by our muse, Caravaggio. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. That way we're here for you every week, both on Monday and now on Thursday. 
And if you review us on Apple Podcasts, we'll be grateful for you. Send us your topic ideas, questions, and voice memos. We're at bittersweetlife at mail.com or at the contact us page at thebittersweetlife.net. <laughs>